Lord Jesus, would you teach us to be people who are more interested in what you have to say to us through your word than in anything that the world offers? And would you help us right now? We're asking as a community of people that you'll teach us about yourself. Would you open our hearts and our minds? And in areas that, that we're not really interested in things that have to do with you, would you help us, Lord? We want, we want to want you more, but we're not even strong enough to force ourselves to, to want things that we don't know much about. So would you help us? I'm asking for your help tonight. I'm asking for your help for every one of my friends here, that you transform our lives because of your word, through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let me tell you guys where we're at. If you need a Bible, Daniel's got Bibles there. You, you, you need a Bible. And, and, and if you get the Bible and you don't know, like if, if this is new to you and you don't even know how, where, where, to, where to open to, then the people next to you will be glad to do it. There's, there's no condemnation here if you don't know the Bible already. So, so um, I want to invite you to open the Bible. And we're going to look, we're, we're going through the book of Acts. Let me tell you what, where, we're so, where we are so far in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is an account by Dr. Luke of how the church of Jesus got started. Think about all, you know, if, if I asked you, you know, what's, what organizations are you part of? What, are you, what organizations are you guys part of? Tell me something you're a part of. The Rotary Club. Anybody part of the Rotary Club? Any part? Okay, what else? What student groups? Or, I mean, tell me one or two of them. Are you part of anything? Other than Cornerstone. I know you're part of Cornerstone. Any other group that you're part of? What is it? What is it? The Granbury Theater. Okay, the Granbury Theater. What else, guys? The Transformers. Is that what you said? Transform us. Okay. Okay. Here's what I want you guys to think about. What all the organizations, all the businesses, all the kingdoms, all the countries, all the empires that have ever existed, exist for a short period of time. And then they were over. And the most powerful community, the most powerful organization that has ever existed is the Church of Jesus. And what we're studying right now in the book of Acts is how that all got started. And hell came against the church. But the church would not be defeated. The church of Jesus, the community of God's people, has existed for so long and has overturned the system of the world. The world is the way that it is now. The good part of the world is the way that it is now because of what the church of Jesus did. So that guess that's what we're studying about. So we're in Acts chapter 12. But before we look at Acts chapter 12, I want to ask you guys to, to, to kind of look at something first. And we're going to look at Psalm 91. Because, and you guys will understand why here in a second. So Psalm 91, if you look, if you look right in the middle of your Bible, that's the book of Psalms, Psalm 91, and we're going to read through this psalm pretty quickly. But I want you to catch some of it. So Psalm 91, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Stop and take, look away from your Bible for a second and think about what I just read. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, that's speaking of God, will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I want you to just, just, just ponder that for a second. Think about what that means. That rest is available for people who find their shelter and their safety in Him. Does that make sense? I will say, that includes all of us. We will say, the people of Cornelius will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Where's your safety? 
Where, is your, where, where do you, what do you put your trust in? Your bank account or the police force or the government of the United States or your security system? What makes you feel safe? You will never feel safe enough unless he's your fortress, unless he's your refuge. Surely he will save you, people of the cornerstone, from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Obviously, there's some, some metaphor happening here. You will not fear the terror of night. You're not going to fear the terror at night. You're not going to fear the arrow that comes in the day. You're not going to fear pestilence. You're not going to fear plague. Verse 7, a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If, verse 9, his big if, if you make the most high, speaking of God, your dwelling. What is it? Just, I just want you to think again. What does it mean to dwell, to live in God, to live in him? That means that, that you, you surround yourself, like the air you breathe. We live in a bubble of oxygen, right? Just that the air we breathe, the, the surrounding us is him. That's available to us. There's a choice that we make. If you make the most high your dwelling, that is the Lord who is my refuge. Then, see the F, if then, if in verse 9, then verse 10, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. How's that going to happen? Verse 11. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands and so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample on the great lion and the serpent. Verse 14. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen. I love that scripture. I love this psalm. What's the basic message of the psalm? Trust God. Trust God. Okay, there we go. Trust God. That's the basic message of life. God's message to me today, to you today, is trust me. Trust me. I got your back. I got you. Okay. Does anybody see any problem with this psalm? I mean, are there people who love God who still got bad things that happen to them? I want you to think about this. I want you to think about what this psalm is saying. So what do you do with that? I'm just... What's that? They have to love God. But are there people who love God? Here's what I want you to think about. Does it mean that a person that loves God never stubs their toe? That they never get a cold? That they never have a flat tire? That they never lose their job? That they never shed any tears? Jo exactly. There's Job, and we can spend the next hour listing people's stories from the Bible. Because here's what I want you to think about. Whether what it sounds like this verse is saying, it sounds like what this is saying is if this was the only scripture that we had out of the Bible, it sounds like if we'll make our the if we make God our dwelling place, then nothing bad will ever happen to us. And all of us know from the rest of Scripture, what does the Bible say? The rest of Scripture says something else. And we've got to be careful. Because if we're not careful, we end up with a theology that says 
that nothing bad can happen to us as long as we trust God. And if if something does bad happen, something bad does happen to us, it must mean that there's something, some area of your life that we're not trusting God. But the rest of the scripture says, the rest of the, of the Bible, we find in place after place that people who trusted God, in fact, every person in the scripture who trusted God, with the exception of Enoch and Elijah, ultimately had something really bad happen to them. They died. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? And so we have to come back and say, there's, there's something that doesn't line up here. There's something weird here. Now, I wanted to read this before we look at Acts. We're, you know, we're going through the book of Acts. We're studying how God established his, established his community of people on this planet. But I wanted, to, I wanted to look at Psalm 91 first because I want to, to help us make sense of how, what the Scripture really teaches and how that fits into our lives. Because has any, anybody had a totally pain-free, worry-free, trouble-free week this week? Anybody? Maybe one of you. And maybe if you raise your hand, you just forgot some things. I mean, okay, there you go. We just proved Psalm 91 wrong, right? No, I want you guys to see this. Okay, so we're looking now in, in Acts 12. And we're going to read an account of one of these guys who was devoted to the purposes of God. I actually want to read about a couple of them. And how their stories turned out really differently. So, Acts 12, verse 1. It was about this time that King Herod had arrested some of those who belonged to the church. Intending to persecute them. He's just, got, he's just a mean guy. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. Now remember, this is not the same James who is Jesus' brother. This is the brother of John. Verse 3, when he saw that this pleased the Jews, so he, he puts James to death. Well, that doesn't line up with Psalm 91 very well. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to persecute, he proceeded to seize Peter also. And this happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Passover that is. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by the four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover and if he got some brownie points from the Jews for killing James, then how many more is he going to get by killing Peter? So he's got a plan for Peter. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was eagerly praying to God for him. So community people were praying to God for Peter, who's in prison. That night, or the night before Herod was about to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains. And sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrist. You know, we, we've read about Peter sleeping other times, too. I mean, the guy seems to have narcolepsy or something. But he's sleeping there, and the, the, there's an angel in his jail cell. Like, dude, wake up. Slapping him. Then the angel said, Put on your clothes and your sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, and he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing, he th he th thinking he's dreaming or something. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself. Wow, that's cool. And they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself like, wow, this is for real. And said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel 
and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. When this had dawned on him, it's like, wow, this really happened. He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, a different John, who's also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying for him. Peter knocked on the outer entrance, and a servant girl named Rhoda came and answered the door. She didn't open the door. She was, she was like, who's there? And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so excited, she ran back without opening. It's like, Peter's at the door. <laughs> yeah, right, they say. When she kept and said, no, really, really, really. And they're like, it must be his angel. Like, this, you know, Peter's in prison. There's no way, so. Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door, they saw him and were freaked out. <laughs> Peter met, motioned with, with his hand for them to be quiet, and he described how the Lord had brought, them, brought him out of prison. Now, tell James and the other brothers about this. This is a different James than the guy that got killed, okay? This is James. He says, tell James, the brother of Jesus, about this, and then he left for another place. He actually goes to Antioch. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered them to be executed. Deaths of the, the guards. Okay. I want you guys to think about how Psalm 91 and what we just read in Psalm 91 about those who dwell, who live in the shelter of the Almighty can rest in his presence. And how does that fit with James getting killed with the sword and Peter being in prison? Okay, here's the first thing I want you guys to get out of this. Think about this. This is worth writing down. This is worth writing across your heart. God's plan for James was not the same as God's plan for Peter. James dies, Peter gets, he gets out of prison. God lets James get killed, and Peter goes free. And for James, at least for James, it doesn't look like God's doing what he promised in Psalm 91. And James, James wasn't the only one. Notice we started by that, that James is mentioned because he's one of the apostles. He's one of the big guys. But there's a bunch of people that have been taken into custody. We don't know what happened to them. And then after this, dozens of more Christians begin to be persecuted, and then hundreds, and then thousands, and then millions. And the Open Doors website I just looked at today says that on average, there's 11 people per day around the world who are being put to death because they refuse to disown Jesus. 11 people a day. And they're like, well, that's not very many compared to how many believers there are. Yeah, it's not very many, but what about Psalm 91? What about God's promise? What well, at least what it looks like for us as we read that of God's promise to protect his people. Because if that happens to people who put their trust in him, then why would anybody put their trust in him? It's not just that bad things happen to happen to people who trust in him, but Bad things are happening because they trust in him. People are being put to death because they put their trust in him. I want you guys to think about James. James, what was James's job before he met Jesus? What was he doing? He was a fisherman. And what's his, what's his hometown? He's in Galilee, yeah? What's his hometown? Okay, 
Capernaum, not too far from Murray's hometown. Okay? It's just down the hill. Down the hill, north side of Lake Galilee. And they're fishing. Remember, they got a, they got a enterprise happening. Who's James's brother? John. James and John, and they got fishing partners. What's their fishing partners' names? Peter. And what's Peter's brother's name? Andrew. Okay, so we got this, this team of four. They're doing fishing together, and Jesus shows up, and he invites them to join his campaign to build a kingdom. And he leaves this business. They, they pulled his boats up on shore. He leaves his business. He leaves his family. He follows Jesus, living just about like a homeless guy. Listen to Jesus' promises about this kingdom that, he's, that they're starting. Serves and serves and serves. And there's times where he, he, he's got to be wondering, what's the, what's the benefit for me? And his mom's texting from home and going, so, has he paid you anything yet? How's the progress of the kingdom? Has, have you seen a contract yet? And finally, his mom, do you guys remember the story? His mom's kind of had it. And she's like, I'll take these matters in my own hands. Remember she meets with Jesus? Like, I need a meeting with Jesus. It's like, okay, my boys, they left the business to follow you. Do you guys remember this? Let's look at it. So uh, Mark 10, Mark 10, 35. I mean, she's serious. She's like, what's going on here? You take my boys away from the business, you promise them a kingdom, and, and I want to make sure that you're going to pay. Where's the contract? So Mark 10, 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. We actually read another, another gospel. It was his mom who brings him. Teacher, they said. It was actually the mom who said this. We want you to do whatever you want. Us, want, want us, whatever you ask, we ask. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. And they replied. And then from the other gospels, we find that the mom is there. And they, with their mom's encouragement, say, we want one of us to sit on your right side and one of us to sit on your left side when you come into your kingdom. Okay. And Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. Jesus says, and then he says, but he says okay, can you guys drink the cup that I'm going to drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm going to be baptized with? Now, Jesus is speaking of his death that's about to happen. And they're like, yeah, we can do it. We can do it. And Jesus says, okay, you you guys, he gives them an answer that's satisfactory to them. He's like, okay, whatever I get, I'm going to share with you. And they're like, okay, cool. <laughs> they don't know he's talking about death. <laughs> he's saying, I'm going to die, and you're going to be ready to die too. Okay, here's what I want you to understand. Again, God's plan for James, there's two brothers here. God's plan for James turned out to be different from God's plan for John. And both of their plans were different than God's plan for Peter. Okay? Okay, there's something else I want you to pull out of this. This is important, guys. Second thing I want you to write down is James, James didn't die. What do you mean? We just read that he died. We just read that he was put to death. And guys, we need to be really, really careful. Here's what you guys are staking your lives on. Jesus' death destroyed death. James didn't die. There, his body died, but there is no death for those who are in Christ. Guys, this is biblical. This is truth. We got to get this. 
I want you guys, let's look at some scriptures. You guys remember when Jesus says, you believe me, you don't die. John eleven twenty five. Actually, Scatter, you can put that up there. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though his body dies, is what Jesus is saying, will live. And whoever lives and believes me will never die. Here's a promise for all of you people who have put your trust in Jesus. You don't die. You don't die. The body of yours might die. You don't die. There is no time in your future where you're in death. You live connected to the author of life forever. Okay, Philippians 1.20. Guys, I'm showing you these scriptures. I want you to live with this confidence. Philippians 1.20, I eagerly, this is Paul writing, just before he's, he's actually writing from prison, and he's going to be put to death. And this is what Paul says. So powerful. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by death or by life. For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. In other words, if this body dies, I'm with Jesus forever. Who wouldn't want that? And then he says, if I'm to go on living in the body, that'll mean good work for me. Yet what do I choose? I don't know. He doesn't have the choice anyway. I'm torn between the two. Do I want to be with Jesus more, he says, which is better by far, or do I want to stay here for your benefit? He's saying, from his perspective, way better to be with Jesus. That's promotion in Paul's mind. Then one more verse. 2 Corinthians 5, 6. 2 Corinthians 5, 6. You'll put that up there. Therefore, because this is true, guys, therefore, we are always, always, always confident. And know this, that as long as we are home in this body, we're away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and we prefer to be away from the body and home with the Lord. Okay. So how does, you guys got it, you guys understand. James' body's, James's body is put to death with a sword, but James doesn't die. How does this fit in with Psalm 91? The promises in Psalm 91 that God's going to protect those people who put their hope in him. Well, here's what I want you to think about. Who had it easier? James or Peter? Well, think about what happens to Peter. Peter gets killed too. That just gets postponed 20 years. This is about 44 AD when this is happening. He gets killed somewhere around 65, so okay, 21, 22 years, something like that later. He gets killed. And he spends the next 22 years suffering big time for Jesus. He writes the books of First and Second Peter. And from, and he talks about persecution. And then he finally is crucified, probably upside down. So that he, because as a privilege for what Jesus had told him. Guys, who gets off easier? James does. James gets the promotion with having to go through all the hard stuff. And there is no way that James goes to be with the Lord and says, man, I wish I could be back there on earth. There's nobody who, after tasting what heaven is, is going to say, I wish I wasn't here. Please let me go back. 
As great as the cornerstone is, nobody's wanting to come back to the cornerstone. Because heaven is greater than we can imagine. We were made for heaven. We were made for This is a temporary instant in eternity. And heaven goes on forever. And ultimately, earth is included in heaven. God's plan to rule this planet is finally made complete. Okay, third thing I want you guys to get from this is that God allows Peter to go to jail and get persecuted. God allows this. He allows James to get, James's body to get killed. He allows Peter to go to prison and get persecuted as part of Peter's training. This is part of Peter's training. God's still got big plans for what Peter's going to do. Think about Peter's story. Remember, he's, the, he's fishing with that same community of people. He goes, follows Jesus. And remember one time they're way up at Caesarea Philippi, way up at Bunyas up there, and, and Jesus asked him, who do people say I am? And, Jesus, and Peter answers, they, whatever they say, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, okay, you're not going to be called Simon anymore. I'm changing your name to Peter. And upon this rock, which Peter means, I'm going to build my church. And yet Peter's still got a lot of polishing that needs to happen. And remember the night before Jesus dies? And Peter says, they might also forsake you, but not me. Remember? And within about a few hours, he's like, he's telling some servant girl, oh, I don't even know that guy. He swears he doesn't know Jesus. Do you guys remember this? And then three weeks later, he's given up. He's gone back to fishing. Same place, same boat. He's like, I failed. I'm going back to fishing. And Jesus shows up on the shore early in the morning after Peter's not caught any fish all night. Reap a repeat of something that happened several years earlier. You guys remember? And he talks to Peter that morning as they walk along the beach. They're walking on the beach. And you remember what Jesus asked Peter? What did Jesus ask Peter? Do you love me? He's asking him that because Peter, three weeks earlier, was so sincere that he loved Jesus and it proved that he didn't. And so Jesus asked him, so Peter, you love me? And Peter answers, I really, really like you. It's not the same word. So Jesus asked him again, but Peter, do you love me? And once again, Jesus, Peter answers, if you read the way that it's written in the Greek, he says, I really like you. And then Jesus asked him a third time. He's like, so Peter, do you really like me? And Peter's cut to the heart. And he can't bring himself to say that he loves Jesus because he proved that he didn't. And then Jesus says something that makes Peter so excited. He says, Peter, when you were young, you did whatever you wanted to do. But guess what? Your love for me might not be perfect now, but you're going to get to die for me. If you read that, that's basically what Jesus is saying. And I think Peter is going, yes, I get another chance to prove my love for Jesus. And he stops fishing and he goes into ministry. Now we are 10 years later, and he gets the test. The test is happening. He gets arrested, put in jail, and he thinks James died. Jesus' prophecy about me is I'm going to die for Jesus. Tomorrow's the day. I miss Jesus anyway. Haven't seen him in 10 years. Tomorrow I see him. And that's why he's sleeping between these two guards. He's not scared a bit because he knows Psalm 91. Remember Psalm 91 verse 1? He who lives 
in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And he's sleeping. And he passes the test. Because in his mind, he's dead meat. And because he's able to pass the test, God says, okay, you passed the test of loving me more than your life, so I'm not done with you yet because we got a kingdom to build. And we got some churches to start. And he brings Peter out of prison and sends him up to Antioch and later to Rome. And Peter is out for the next 22 years or so. Peter's establishing churches. And the kingdom of God is built. And then he gets his dream and dies for Christ. Did Psalm 91 not work? Did God abandon Peter? Did God abandon James? No way. No way. God, God's ways are not our ways. God's way of doing his thing in your life is not the way that he does it for everybody else. And it's not the way that you think it's going to happen. God's plan for you is bigger than what you imagine. If you could be James, or you could be Peter, who would you want to be? Well, you don't have to answer that question because you're not James and you're not Peter. You are you, and your story isn't Peter's story, and your story isn't James's story. Your story is your story, and if you put your hope in him and you live in him, dwelling in the shelter of the Almighty, you can rest, and bullets can fly past your head, and cars can zoom past you and have near accidents, and you can have people attack you and threaten you, and you know what? There's no worries. Because you're not afraid of death because you don't die. And I thought, man, I, I, should, I should tell you some stories. I mean, if I told you all the stories, I think then I, we'd be way over time. But let me, I'll just tell you some stories of how, I mean, the idea of God protecting. I mean, you know, I, let me just, when I was, you know, malaria when I was a kid, how many times? TB when I was a kid, how many, you know, I had TB. I had um, I'm mean, living in the, in the, in, with the Ogta people. How many times did I have a gun pointed at me? How many times did I have knives on me? Um, seven years old, we found hand grenades in a tree. I didn't know what they were. I'd never seen movies, so I didn't know what hand grenades were. And we couldn't get the pins out. Um, you guys notice what, what we read in Psalm 91? Psalm 91. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways and to keep the pins in the hand grenades. I didn't know what a hand grenade was. I told uh, my friend who we found with, let's pretend they're bombs. <laughs> and then, you know, being, being, you know, people trying to kill me by running over me. Um, and, and then one time, uh, you know, one, I'll just tell you the one story. On, on my, we were back in, the, back in the Philippines. I was in my village. Um, this was end of, yeah, before you guys were born. In um, end of 92, I went there. Got there on Christmas Day. I thought I had enough money. I spent money on everybody just like I do every time that I'm there. Same place that um, John's girlfriend Yemi is right now. She's over there teaching English in my village. But So I run out of money, but I had to keep enough money so I could get to Baguio City, which was, you know, I was like four bucks that I still ha had that I didn't spend on everybody. So I, I get a ride as far as uh, trying to get a ride out of the tribal area. And I get a ride, and then I said, it's New Year's Eve, buddy. There's, no, there's nothing going that way. Well, now I'm out of money. I, I can't go anyway. I've only got enough money to get back to Baguio to where my wife was. So 
I'm thinking, okay, this is fun. You know, no worries ever. Why worry? You know, we, we, we rest in the shadow of the Almighty. It's so much fun. So finally, some guy says, look, I'll take you by boat to Belair. And there's a 5 o'clock bus that leaves Belair. And I'll get you there by that time. And you can send me money. I'm like, okay, that's a, there's God's provision. So I get in the boat, midnight, and I'm thinking, these guys might kill me, but probably not. So they take me on a, a two-hour um, boat ride to Belair. And we get to Belair, and it's pitch black. And they say, okay, if you walk straight, there's gonna be, you're going to find a little trail, and you just keep walking, and you walk for about an hour, and you're going to get to, the, to where the bus is going to come. Cool, see ya. So I start walking, and it, it's, you know, sometimes you got full moon nights where you can see. Sometimes you don't. So it's black, and I see enough to kind of see the trail, and I'm walking, and a guy steps out with a machete. He speaks a different language than I speak, and I'm like, I mean, am I worried? No. I'm like, what's, what's there to be worried about? We are safe in the Lord's hands. So I'm, I said, I spoke to him in my language, and brother, I'm, I'm, my wife's waiting for me, so you don't want to bother me. You know, I don't got any money anyway, you know, so, so out of the darkness steps something. I don't know if it's human. I don't know if it's angel. And he tells the guy, "You leave the guy. You leave that guy alone." And that guy just, he just, he just stops. And I'm like, okay. And I'm too tired to worry about it. And, and I was, I was walking. So I walk for another hour, and I get to, the, I find the bus stop. And this is in in, a, in the town of Belair. So I think I gotta get some sleep. So I lay down on the bench. On this bench there on the bus stop. No sooner about laid down. You guys, you guys aren't going to believe this. Some guy comes up with a machete. I'm like, two times in one night? So he's yelling at me in, in a, language, a different language than I speak. And um, once again, I'm just like, oh, come on, man. And not the same angel, but a kid. Now, why kids out at 3 o'clock in the morning? I don't know. And are, are, are the angels sometimes kids? And so I, I don't know. But this guy, this, this kid comes out, and he's, he yells at this man who's threatening with a machete. And the guy leaves me alone. And the kid takes me by the hand and says, you know, he just, he just takes me. He says, you come. You know. And I don't remember he's speaking. You know, I speak a little bit of Tagalog. I mostly speak Agata. I don't remember how he said it. I don't know how he said it. But he takes me by the hand. By the hand. I'm, 20, I'm 28 years old. And this kid's got to be 10 years old. And he leads me and he brings me to the police station, which is just a few blocks away. And he says, you stay here. So I sit there till it's starting to get light. And I go to the bus stop and I catch the bus. And I didn't think much about it. And then later I thought, who is that kid? <laughs> and who was that, that, that guy out on the trail in the middle of the night who stopped the guy from attacking me? You, you know, you can say it's an angel, you can say it's not an angel, whatever the point is. The Lord promises that he'll protect us until it's our time. Why do you have to worry? What are you worried about? What are you worried about? Guys, therefore, we are always confident. We don't worry. So, guys, what we're going to do here is we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna sing two, a couple more songs. Aaron, come and lead us. And, and I want to save these songs for the end because I want you guys to sing these as a declaration of your trust in him. Here's the big question. Do you trust Jesus? 
Can you trust him with your life? Can you trust him with your life? Can you trust him with your health? Can you trust him with your money? Can you trust him with your relationships? Can you trust him with your future? Life is really, really hard. That's okay. The Lord is at our side. And the, the greater our trust in him, the safer we are. No weapon formed against you will prosper. You will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the children of the Lord. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the righteous run to him and are safe. We're safe. What are we worried about? So right now as we sing, I want you guys to declare to the Lord, we trust you. We trust you. We're okay. No matter what happens in the world around us, we're safe in you.